goals can't change, but the goalposts have. Just got to stay focused, stay upbeat, stay motivated. And that's really what I'm trying to do for myself and for those around me. Experienced coaches and resourceful coaches will definitely be able to get the most out of the, the training sessions that they can do rather than focusing on the sessions that they can't do. Are you proud of me? Of course. <laughs> I am very, very proud of you. You know that. We all have a responsibility to impact on the greater good. Hi there, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Well, whether you're an athlete, a coach, a fan, a volunteer or an official, with the Olympics being postponed until next year and restrictions on daily life as we know it, it's fair to say we're all adapting in some way at the minute. That's exactly why we decided to record this podcast, to offer some reassuring advice first of all, and let you know what support is available from England Athletics. But as well as that, we hope to provide an uplifting tone with interesting interviews. On the show, you'll hear from Olympic medalist and middle distance runner Marilyn Okoro. She's been chatting to me about the challenges she's come through in her career. There's a great moment when her mum gate crashes the conversation we happen to record on Mother's Day. Another athlete, Daniel Reese, will share with you some positive messages passed on by coaches around the country. All that's to come, but first I'm delighted to be joined by a panel made up of England Athletics colleagues who can offer you some information it follows the news that all athletics activity in the country is suspended until the end of May. Along with that, physical coaching suspended. You'll hear all about the resources available to do things at home and virtually. Talking of which, let's do a round robin of introductions now. Starting with you, Chris Jones, our CEO. Where are you? I'm here. I'm in Cambridgeshire, enjoying my uh, time learning more about digital platforms such as Teams. <laughs> And we also have Scott Grace as well. Yep, Scott Grace here, National Technical Lead for Youth Development with England Athletics uh, at home, my family home in Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire. Sarah Friday here, Athletics Hub Manager, based in Sale, Greater Manchester. Emma Hurst, Senior Club Support Manager, based in North Nottinghamshire. Last but not least whatsoever to Jim Williams. Dining in from, from sunny Herefordshire here, Marketing Manager for, for the core sports side of England Athletics. Yes, I also have the sun beaming in through my window in North London here. Chris, first of all, what is the advice being given by England Athletics at this time? Well, first and foremost, we've got a responsibility to look after each other, our friends, our family, our close ones. This moment in time, that comes above our interest in athletics and running. We're all in the same situation, the country as a whole, and our priority as an organisation is making sure that we support our members uh, with accurate advice and guidance to ensure that they are doing all they can to protect their loved ones, their friends, their family, their members. But I think if we adhere to the government guidance that has been quite clear around uh, isolating and uh, also maintaining the two metre distance when together and just being sensible, then we will come through this and we'll come through stronger. And I think there are always opportunities uh, through adversity, for us to now take stock of that, reflect and think, could we work more efficiently, more smartly to ensure that we are using that time wisely to support each other and to support the sport? Since we have reverted to home working, people have responded positively and they realise that we have to find new and creative ways 
So we have to utilize digital platforms of communication. We have to signpost and use this fallow period to upskill and educate ourselves, prepare for when the cessation will end. And it will end. Uh, we just don't know when. So we all have a responsibility to impact on the greater good. Thanks, Chris, for the important advice and lots for us to discuss in this podcast. Let's take a moment to get an athlete's perspective. Olympic medalist Marilyn Okoro is having to rethink her retirement following the news that the Tokyo Olympics will be postponed until next year. I asked her to delve into her years of experience and pick out some words of wisdom. We all had 2020 vision sort of a year ago and I don't think it quite looked like this. Certainly didn't for me planning to sort of retire after this next games but it's not going to shape out quite how I thought. Uncertainty definitely breeds lots of anxiety. As athletes we like to control every little thing we can. Um, It's really going to challenge mental toughness, resilience, all the things we talk about as athletes and what it takes to be successful in life but above all discipline so do you know what I mean I believe in staying ready so you don't have to get ready but also I'm quite used to sort of things not quite going to plan and just being adaptable. Thanks for your thoughts there Marilyn well as you say athletes are training for the big occasion all the time but how much disruption do you think this will cause and what will you say to athletes that are worried about that? This is history in the making. You know, none of us have ever been through this. I don't. I don't think we are human. We're going to need time to adjust to this new norm. But then also at the other side, we're going to need time to adjust as well. Um, so we just kind of want to take that pressure off and knowing, like, when we do come out of this, whenever that is, we will have time to prepare. Everyone's going to stay ticking over. Goals can't change, but the goalposts have. Just got to stay focused, stay upbeat, stay motivated. And that's really what I'm trying to do for myself um, and for those around me. Well, another big mental aspect of the sport is the kind of companionship and sense of identity that it offers. So what would be your advice to some athletes who might be feeling a loss of that sense of belonging and identity at this time? I'm a firm believer in your, your network and your environment is the most important thing. Happy athlete performs well. So I can sympathise with a lot of athletes that are struggling. I personally struggled with depression last year. um, And if it wasn't for my training environment and the group that I had around me, recently moved up, well, it's been a year and a half now, but I've been based up in Wigan, training with my old rival, Jenny Meadows, and Trevor Painter, her husband. But I had a really great training group who are basically my family up there. Stay connected, have the WhatsApp group going, check in with each other, do some... You know, with my church group as well, which is another important group to me. So it's important to have those connections outside your sport as well. I think you can still run, you know, maintain that six feet apart um, in open spaces. We are socially distancing, but a lot of the time people are going to be in families. It's a chance to cook together, sing together. And if everyone just does their part, you know, there's no reason why we won't come out of this the other side um, stronger than ever. Good advice there. I'm definitely sitting in front of a a very tidy living room at the moment, hopefully a similar situation for you. Reflecting back now on some of the things that have happened in your career to this date, I wonder whether you can pinpoint a time of uncertainty or anxiety, something that you've really had to put to one side as a result, some uh, thoughts you can offer on how to deal with a challenge in the way of your goals. Definitely think all the homes are going to be looking immaculate. I definitely have had a lot more time to notice 
specks of dust here and there where I normally just just sort of not really care. So I am just someone that is fueled by no. I've had so many no's in my lifetime, starting with my mum. She didn't even want me to run. She hated it that I went to this amazing school and I told her I wanted to be a runner. I think that day she was just devastated. Um, She's quite strict, Nigerian mum. And so I really had to prove to her that I was going to be a model student and also this running thing was serious, you know, and she finally took me serious when I ended up at the Olympics. <laughs> but um, she is my biggest fan now. Um, but I really had to, to fight. I've had to fight my whole career. I don't think I've had many years where I've just had a smooth run into a championships and definitely not of late. In fact, the last five, six years have been pretty problematic. Perhaps just, you know, trying to nail those qualifying times and not quite doing it and then not finishing in the top two. Selection (laughs) has to be some of the most trying times in an athlete's year. The worst championship is always the British champs for me, just because we've always had such top quality girls. You know, there's been a few times where I've sleepless nights and stressing about it. But, you know, nothing quite like 2012, which could have gone either way, but it actually just didn't go my way at all. And, you know, that's probably something that I had a knee-jerk reaction to in in terms of flying out to America the next year and just never really dealing with it. So Tokyo was really going to be my comeback from that. I think having resolved and understood things and processed things, accepted things and then let them go. Um, So I'm having to rethink that now and just not trying to plan ahead too far you know, how my body might feel. I'm also working part-time and that's a big change in in my um, training week. I started a new job working for a charity called The Brick in January. You know, we work with the homeless community, so that's quite a challenging sector to be in. requires a lot of emotional resilience. So I'm really enjoying it, but also just trying to balance the two. Well, later on in the podcast, you'll hear from Marilyn Okoro on what it's like to be on the start line at the Olympic Games and prove your mum wrong in the process. More too on her hobbies outside of sport, including jazz music. Now, let's return to our panel discussion then. We did touch just there on the social bond of athletes coming together in training groups and clubs and the sort of uh, anxiety about that disappearing in the way that we know it for a while so it seems right that we bring in Emma Hurst to talk about club support. Emma, the floor's yours. Okay, so we have a team of 12 club support managers across the country. Our club support managers will be contacting each of our clubs. First of all, we want to just, out of courtesy, check that they're okay. Try and understand a bit about how this is going to impact on their club and look at what support they want over the coming months. We're also going to look at how we continue to support clubs with any existing projects that we had in place so whereby we had work areas that required face-to-face meetings or face-to-face forums and workshops we're looking at how we can use digital platforms to continue that support the club resource section on the website we've got a whole range of resources from governance to welfare health and safety and we'll be looking to add additional resources to that that was always the plan we was always going to be adding and that was going to be a big focus this year. The other thing that we're looking at doing is the launch of club webinars on discussion topics that are relevant now to continue some club activity. 
Thanks, Emma. Well, at this moment in time, there is on the homepage of the England Athletics website some of the advice that Chris has already mentioned in written form. There's also a feedback form in which you can get in touch to say how your club has been affected by coronavirus and what kind of support you think you might need. Just on that note, we've had over 100 clubs in the last week contact us using that process, offering uh, us some insight in terms of how we can best support them sharing what they're doing already. I mean, if you look at our social channels, numerous examples that are coming forth already from clubs of different shapes and sizes, different focuses across the geographical land of England, where they are using this challenge as an opportunity to engage their members in different ways. And it seems to be creating this spirit of togetherness within the athletics and running club world, and long may that continue. We just have to be pragmatic this year that we're operating under uh, extreme and unprecedented times. So two things you mentioned there, one about being proactive and, and seeing what else you can do and another about virtual challenges and I have to say the the number of uh, athletes who've put home workouts, um, Lena Nielsen was doing yoga at home, I tried to follow her along but I couldn't do most of the poses <laughs> so I gave up after a while. It just shows you the number of talented and creative people that we have in the sport seeing that sense of community spirit that you talked about at the top of the programme. More on online resources in a moment. I know Emma mentioned some of the, the club webinars that uh, you are planning. Scott, let's bring you in to, to talk about some of the ways that parents can uh, get proactive, parents and kids. So there are a couple of things here. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure many parents uh, like myself uh, have youngsters home now uh, due to the schools closing. Uh, and trying to think of ways to keep them occupied and entertained. But also, most importantly, we want kids to be physically active. It's really good for their, their mental health. It's really good for developing their, their cardiovascular system. A couple of things that we, we had in the pipeline, and, and similar to what Emma mentioned earlier on with Accelerated, is for the 4 to 11-year age group, our main program is called Phonetics, uh, which started to roll out recently. We were producing parent activities that kids could do in their back garden at home uh, and what we're about to do is uh, roll out a series of them activities that parents can use. Uh, some of the videos were made before the current uh, events occurred. There are some activities where kids are joined together in a park and what we would strongly recommend is follow the guidelines set by the government adapt the activity so you can do it in your back garden and obviously as Chris mentioned earlier on we shouldn't be staying uh, around anybody for longer than 15 minutes within two meters so lots of exciting activities we've tried to make it fun we want kids to obviously be as active as possible and have a smile on their face uh, and my daughter was playing a game called dragon's treasure earlier on in the back garden we tried <laughs> to explain to my wife how to play if you can get kids playing the games on their own or together or with a family this is one where you could spin a, a very challenging time into a real positive this is time to just bond with your, your children even more and really, really embrace that like uh, smiles that they give you after doing a bit of physical activity. So that's for our uh, 4 to 11 years. With the 11 years plus, obviously, similar challenge. Uh, a lot of a lot of kids at that age have joined clubs. They're probably quite into their athletics. What we've done in the, in the last few days is we've changed two of our resources, what you can download from the Athletics 365 app, which are athlete handbooks. Uh, and we changed them from in-app purchases to completely free and up until September. Uh, and if needs be, we'll extend that, that offer out further. 
within them resources, there's uh, instructions on how to do lots of challenges and also video links uh, that they can follow. And what we're going to do is do a couple of demonstration videos uh, on how to access that content. Cheers, Scott. Well, Athletics 365, the app that you mentioned there, and I suppose there's less of an excuse now for us all to embrace the digital age. And that uh, brings us on nicely to another online resource, Athletics Hub. And Sarah, if you can tell us just what the hub's all about. So Athletics Hub's been in existence for around 12 months now. Initially, the rollout was for an online booking system for our courses. More recently, though, and I suppose more relevantly right now, is we've introduced the online coaching resource library. That's really geared at coaches across a range of disciplines, endurance, jumps, combined events, speed and throw, but also catering for disability athletics. We're constantly looking at evolving the content that we have within the platform, and on a monthly basis, we'll be releasing new content. We've got a range of world-class speakers, both domestic coaches and presenters, through to international speakers. One of the real focuses of the resource platform is just around coaches in their own time, going away, watching, reading, learning more about you know, their chosen discipline, perhaps even looking to expand their knowledge elsewhere. We could have an endurance coach that wants to learn more about speed, that sprint finish, and actually could pick up some really good learning from other coaches. Thanks for that, Sarah. Well, that's athleticshub.co.uk and the library of coaching resources that's on there. And uh, switching from talking about online content to track and field stuff that's bringing up all over social media, as we touched on earlier. One thing that athletes are sharing, in particular, in fact, on Instagram stories, is the proudest moments of their career. And so it seemed only fair, as we asked Kelly Massey in the last episode as well, to chat to Marilyn Okoro about her proudest moment in England or a GB vest and whether she could remember her first. And uh, seeing as we were talking about parents not so long ago, this does feature a guest appearance from Marilyn's mum. Every time I've put on a national uniform or stepped out to represent the nation is a proud moment. You think about everything you've gone through to get to that point. Your first Olympics has to always be just one that you'll never forget. It's definitely something that's etched on my brain. Just feeling invincible going into it. I remember in my heat, just lying up against Maria Matola and just running her so close to the line and just feeling absolutely amazing, getting to the semis. And then also early parts of my career, I was always doubling up with the 4 by 4 and just running you know, national records. That's another proud moment. I'd probably go Beijing, Olympic Games on the individual and the relay, and then Osaka when we got a bronze medal as part of the World Championship team. And for me, just sort of being able to say, hey, yeah, I run the 800, but I can come back and run a relay split of 50.5 or whatever it is I did and, and come away with a national record that still stands. They have to be some pretty proud moments in my career. And I think, you know, along the, when you've been in it so long, you do forget that. And you have to remind yourself sometimes. <laughs> I believe my first international vest was to represent GB as a junior over the 400 in Italy. But I couldn't go because I didn't have a passport, a British passport, which I should have. I was born here. But anyway, Christina Harugu was um, called up to step in in my absence. Um, but I remember before that she was just transitioning from netball to athletics. Um, but I think my first official it's probably the World Student Games a year later in Izmir, where I went in ranked like 50th and came out with a bronze medal. So it just goes to show 
anything can happen. <laughs> so that would have been in 2005 then in Izmir in Turkey. Coming in rank so low, was your approach that there's nothing to lose here? I just took it round by round. And I remember Mick Woods was our coach for the endurance. He's a great guy, but I don't think he fully knew about me or believed that I could make it to the final. So it was like a little challenge each round, just challenging me to get into the next round. But it really worked for me. And each round I happened to have the Turkish girl who obviously the crowd went crazy for. And I love a big audience. I love a big crowd. Um, and that really lifted my performance and just happened to come out with a massive PB. I think I went in with a 203.6 at the time and came away with 201. So it was a massive jump and a bronze medal at the same time. But a lot of the times it doesn't go according to the paperwork. So I tend not to look at things like that. I just focus on who I've got in my heat as it comes. That crazy belief that why not me? Um, and I've always just wanted to challenge myself. How far can I go? and just believe that I was one of the most talented. So I suppose making it to the Beijing Olympics then is the ultimate vindication, proof that uh, you've done what you believed you could do early on. And if your mum is there, by the way, and, uh, and wants to say hello, I'm up for that. Mommy, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Mabel Okoro Thompson. I think she inherited it from me because I was running from my school and I was doing very well. I came into this country on my passports as a sports person. But when I sent her to, to school, boarding school, I wasn't expecting her to take to sports. You know, I wanted her to read medicine or law, you know, engineering. Even when I visited her in school, I went to the dormitory and they told me she's in the beach. I was mad. I rushed there and said, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? I didn't send you here to run. Read your book. <laughs> you don't... I told the, the principal of the school, Miss uh, Lewis, I said, I'm going to withdraw her from school. I'm not paying that much money, 3,000 something per term, for her to come and run. The coach, Mr. Um, Harrison. Harrison. Oh, what I did to that man. I never welcomed him in my house. I said, no, she's on holiday. You leave her alone. She said, oh, she, he told me, oh, I have to train her. I said, not when she's on holiday. Anyway, the fight, I was defeated because she carried on. She has really tried her best. Are you proud of me? Of course. <laughs> I am very, very proud of you. You know that. Fighting till you get what you're looking for. I guess I got it from my mama. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Thank you. What a lovely bit of natural conversation. And it just shows how people are supporting each other at this time. And here comes another great example of that. I've been chatting to another athlete, Daniel Rees, the 400 hurdler and British University's medalist, who's already had some wonderful bits of motivational, positive advice from coaches he's been involved with in the past. Athletes in many events, especially the track events, are perhaps a little bit luckier than um, athletes in other sports, for example, swimmers who, you know, need a pool, other athletes who depend completely on a certain facility. The key thing about this time is, is to stay positive in some sort of way, turn the adversity into an opportunity, but also the coaches that I've had in the past who I'm still in contact with 
uh, are still definitely finding ways to uh, put out sessions in many cases for athletes to do by themselves. So for example, Max Colby, who uh, coached me last year in Durham and uh, still coaches athletes like um, Robert Shipley and Will Ritchie Moulin, who are both Bucks medalists as well. Um, he put out a post just on the Facebook group a few days ago. Not only does it emphasize the commitment that he has to his athletes, but it also exhibits a real resourcefulness um, in, in the way that he goes about his coaching. So he wrote, now, whilst it is not the greatest of times, there are many, many positives to the situation. The weather is picking up, you're permitted to go outside. Health England advisors stress that getting out in the fresh air, walking the dog, simply walking or running is strongly advised for both physical and mental well-being. So all is not lost. It is preferable you can do just as much productive work on your own, keeping in mind the need to socially distance yourself from folk around you. There are seven days in a week. We know this despite Max losing what day of the week it is. You have one rest day, you have three days of quality sessions, you have two days of simple, steady running of 20 to 30 minutes, you can do one day of circuits, and you need to do two core sessions each week, which you can either do after any of your running sessions. When I read that, I was really relieved when I saw it, because I thought, yes, you know, there's a structure in place, we can still train and we can still follow a programme. Um, and Willie Russell, who coaches up in Aberdeenshire in North East Scotland, wrote a very sort of similar piece uh, saying eventually we shall get through this and get back to normal coaching but then I have difficulty in knowing what normal actually is because quite an eccentric guy look on this as a real opportunity to learn about your body the progress of your personal fitness and your capacity for taking control of events make use of the program I've given you and any other creative ideas you might have and you can come out of the crisis as more complete individuals and better athletes so if that isn't an incentive, I don't know what is. And even just sort of reading it back to me makes me want to go out and, and do a session. So um, I think experienced coaches and resourceful coaches and coaches who are very adaptable will definitely be able to um, motivate their athletes and see their athletes sort of get the most out of the, the training sessions that they can do rather than focusing on the sessions that they can't do because they don't have a track and, and facilities and things like that. Well, great to see how those two coaches have uh, been inspiring confidence in their athletes who may be going through a lot of anxiety at the moment. There's definitely a mental health point worth touching on here. Yeah, uh, we're very conscious internally. We've coordinated some campaigns in the mental health and well-being space over the last couple of years. Hashtag run and talk, run and revise, training and supporting hundreds of mental health ambassadors and champions first aiders who are volunteers who will now come into their own uh, there are some excellent resources that are out there on the england athletics website already but also with our partners mind national mental health charity mind a lot of support there that is available being at home whether that be in a working day in extension to the time you'd spend at home during the evenings is not ideal for everyone and uh, we need to look out for each other and care for each other and do whatever we can to support people who, who might be struggling. Whilst the sport is in a period of suspension in terms of formal club activity, we are certainly encouraging people to remain active and to keep physically fit. We're aware that coaches, leaders, coaching assistants may be working to support their participants using digital platforms. You know, just advice and guidance for ways in which people can keep themselves active and fit at home, maybe using circuit training or core strength activities, uh, going for a run. 
Well, on that point of uh, supporting coaches and leaders, there is free access for the next 12 months for 26,000 coaches and leaders in England to something that we mentioned earlier, the Athletics 365 app. And the main coaching resource on there is Athletics 365 Excel, which you can download, covers all disciplines and is a way to develop your craft as a coach or share activities remotely. And in fact, that uh, now been extended across all of the home countries. You need an active DBS certificate to get involved and access that for free for a year. Right, still some very important questions that need to be answered. First of all, just from a planning perspective, difficult to plan right now. Athletics competitions, however, need to be planned well in advance and we don't know when the advice will change. So what would you say just so far as preparing in the long term goes? Yeah, I mean, for all the risk plans that you've got in place, I just think patience is needed. We are one big family and it's important that we look out for each other. No doubt when we get back to whatever normality looks like at the end of this uh, suspension period, we're going to need to compromise. Our views are not the only views and we need to work together through partnership at all levels of the sport to make sure that we can get back to uh, normal uh, as soon as we possibly can. What about the fact that a number of people involved in the sport as volunteers, officials and others are of an older, what we know to be as a higher risk age group? Well, we know that over 40% of our licensed officials are over the age of 60 and we know another 20 something percent are over the age of 70. Ourselves together with the other home country athletic federations and UK athletics need to keep this front and centre when we're looking at rescheduling competitions. We also perhaps need to consider being more flexible around our regulations when it comes for certain officials or certain levels or experience of officials to officiate at specific competitions because we need a mass of individuals to put on our sport but it's certainly something that's front and center of our thinking as well as that i gather there's been some questions asked around the financial implications as clubs see that competitions are being cancelled later and later into the summer months they may be wondering whether as a result there'll be a discount in the fees paid to england athletics what would you say to them so we are looking to fix the fee at the price that we charge currently. There was a plan to increase that fee uh, this year, but uh, in light of the coronavirus, we are holding that fee at the same £15 as it was for the last 12 months. And we are being flexible in terms of the, the timescale by which clubs need to register their athletes and runners as putting that back to the end of, end of August. The reality is affiliation income provides 40% of England Athletics' operating costs. So... We need that income to ensure that the sport can continue to be supported. Uh, it makes a huge difference, a positive difference to uh, England Athletics and the support that we're able to offer. That said, of course, you know we need to proactively work to provide evidence to the membership that we are providing services, albeit in a different way to the ones that would normally be experienced. We need people to postpone, to reschedule competitions that may take place later in the summer or in the early autumn. So of course work continues. Some of the activities that have been described already by my colleagues on the on this podcast give a flavour for the kind of work that we're involved in organising. So we're very mindful of the fact that clubs are experiencing challenges at this moment in time. Thanks Chris. Well as we're now aware, no athlete will win an Olympic medal this year. They'll have to wait. But British middle-distance runner Marilyn Okoro had to wait a decade after Beijing 2008 for her relay bronze. 
I asked her what that moment meant, as well as what it means to put on a performance away from the sport, as she was recently part of a charity dance competition. Here is the final part of the interview. Having sort of three medals in my career given back to me in retrospect, sort of the most well-known being the 10-year wait for my Olympic bronze, it does have a, a devastating impact on, on you. That was the one that really hurt the most, but also gave me a bit of zest. And yeah, just continue to fight the good fight and, and justice will always prevail. So that definitely, standing on that podium in the London Stadium, really just restored my confidence because I realised that I was always good enough and and I was an Olympic medalist. Like, wow. <laughs> it is very monotonous when you're a middle distance athlete. Constant mileage, constant speed reps. Um, so I wanted something where I could still be quite social. Obviously, I could join a choir, but in Wigan, I found there weren't really many gospel choirs I could jo- jump into. And there's a big Latin and ballroom community. So I'd got, gone along to a couple of uh, dance classes. But then when I saw this competition come up, um, which was hosted by the Change Foundation, a great friend of mine, Navs, um, Zira, the founder, you know, said, why don't you, you just have a go? There's 12 contestants. So there's a competition element, which I loved. And we were partnered up with professional dancers. And it's actually raising money for one of their amazing programs that they run, which supports youth, young women with their mental health journeys or any drug and alcohol addictions they might be struggling with. Honestly, when they were about to call me onto the dance floor, it was like just before a race, my heart was racing and I had to like get in the zone. And then again, getting the comments from the the, the judges, it's like, oh my gosh, what if they hated it? One of the judges was um, Robin Windsor, who's actually an ex-Strictly judge and he gave me a nine. So just saying... (laughs) Sorry, you got a nine. That's absolutely outrageous. You know how they give you the match ball if you score a hat-trick in football or uh, you might take your bib home or something like that, keep your spikes from a national record. Do you get to keep the nine? Do you, do you keep your dancing shoes? And I wonder whether you surpassed the coincidental dancing achievements of Kelly Massey, who was in the last podcast, who um, used to dance at weddings and bar mitzvahs. Oh, my goodness. We got the whole Strictly experience. Outfit hair and makeup so yeah I got to keep my shoes and I told you nothing ever goes smoothly for me right so (laughs) they ordered me a first pair of shoes which never arrived so then they did like next day delivery which was supposed to arrive on the Wednesday that I was heading down to London they never arrived even though they said they were signed for so I had to wear like brand new shoes on the night and that's like turning up to a track meet and wearing brand new spikes and the floor was so slippery so I did amazing to stay on my feet and not go splat on my face. Kelly is my Latin dance idol. She is phenomenal. She's the real deal. (laughs) You can take the competitive athlete away from the track. Now, as well as dancing, I believe you're also a jazz singer as well. And this will be, as I've pre-warned you off air, the theme for a little game we're going to play to finish off with. Yeah, I kind of, (laughs) my other career is kind of a bit of a wedding singer. Tend to sing a lot of jazz numbers or gospel. Um, but I just love to sing. It's just so freeing to the soul. So looking forward to this game. <laughs> We're calling this Marilyn's Mixtape. It's names that are shared with jazz and soul musicians as well as sports stars. So, for example, if it was James and Veronica Campbell, it would be Brown, James Brown, Veronica Campbell Brown, to <laughs> legends in different categories. I might be rubbish at it, but I like it. (laughs) 
fact, Maz's mixtape. I never really call myself Maz. It just, people call me Maz and I respond, yeah, we're on Maz terms. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, we'll start off easy. Okay, number one, Marvin and Tyson. Marvin and Tyson. Marvin Gay and Tyson Gay got this. The first belt with an E. Yep, two American greats, the uh, Prince of Motown, Prince of Soul, and uh, the US Sprinter. You can't get an extra mark for uh, the spelling, but sailing through with number two, Aretha and Tori. Franklin! <laughs> Don't worry, it'll get slightly harder. How about this one? Number three, Al and Maurice. Green, my favourite colour. Maurice Green, one of the greatest sprinters ever, and Al Green. Perfect so far. On the door at number four, it's Louis and Lance. Number four, my favourite number has to be Armstrong. <laughs> Louis Armstrong, a wonderful world singer. Lance Armstrong, the cyclist. And, oh, that's a tough one to do. Am I going to go for it? And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. you got some vocals. We're going to have to do some karaoke, I think. And, you know, in today's climate, we've got to remind ourselves. This is actually a wonderful world. <laughs> On this occasion, then, the first name is shared. King Cole and Lofthouse. Trying to stay alive at number five. Ah, 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 staying alive. Nat, King Cole. And I don't know the other person, so I'm just going for that. <laughs> it's uh, Nat Lofthouse, who was an England footballer back in the day, back uh, in the 1950s. 30 goals in 33 England caps, something that will never be matched. Although you've got five out of five so far. This one, I had to think of an incredibly obscure sports star who was a, an Italian boxer way back when. It's Frank and Anthony. I'm gonna go, we're going with surnames, right? I, I don't know the, the Italian boxer, I will admit, but I'm gonna go with Frank Sinatra. Wow, well, too easy in the end, yeah. Anthony Sinatra though, a boxer, a fireman, a bar owner, and the father of Frank Sinatra himself. Greatness breeds more greatness. Yeah, there we go. The most exclusive one time and one time only, Maz's mixtape. Here we go. Round of applause. <laughs> also, that is a pretty rocking playlist. Is there anything you'd add to that playlist? The self-isolation, the motivation, the uncertainty and trying to get yourself in gear and work with what you've got playlist, which definitely won't be that long-winded because Spotify doesn't have that many characters. <laughs> I would have <laughs> loved that. I would have to add my sort of go-to all-time favourite feeling good because it just takes me to beautiful summer sunshine and I'm feeling good. Just remind ourselves of the things that make us feel good all the time. Thanks to Marilyn for lifting spirits on the podcast. And uh, let's round off this episode by uh, mentioning a few more important things. Something now that brings together a lot of what we've said so far, and that is that England Athletics at the moment is working on an athletics and running for everyone at home campaign, which will essentially deliver you the updates as they happen, including new stuff on the online resources that we've talked about, and that covers everyone, whether you're an athlete, a coach, a leader, a volunteer, part of a club, or a run-together group. 
And Jim, you can explain a little bit about what's being worked on at the moment. There'll be a new section on our website. Um, there'll be a new e-newsletter, which will help summarise the sort of the new activities and the new offerings that are available to people. And we'll obviously also be communicating this out on, on social media as well. And so it'll include things like, you know, the, the club webinars that Emma talked about earlier. Um, there'll be new coaching webinars, obviously ongoing, as Sarah talked about with um, Athletics Hub. Uh, there's going to be new content going in there, so it'll, it'll help give people a sense of, of what content's going in and, and who's, that, who's that relevant for and how can that be used. Another big part of it is going to be digital connectivity. So just trying to give people some advice and information and handy hints and tips as to where they can find online tools and resources to help them um, help them stay in touch with people. And I think one thing we're really encouraging people to do is to is to stay social in terms of social media, to make sure that they're, they're following you know, the England Athletics um, social media channels, the Run Together social media channels, because there's a lot of key advice, key information um, that we're sharing over the, the sort of coming days and weeks. We are just maintaining regular updates on things like um, event postponements and rescheduling just to try and steer people to um, to the right information online so that they, if there are events that they were involved in that perhaps are around things like our road race championships, um, that we're, we're highlighting where those events um are being rescheduled and new dates uh, wherever possible ongoing each week um, we are circulating uh, a new FAQs document um, we're conscious that a lot of questions are being asked online as Chris mentioned earlier so we are trying to provide answers to people and that document will continue to be updated as we as we receive new questions and so that, that's a great place for people to stay in, in touch and to find find out information that might be, might be more relevant. Uh, one of the key benefits that's worth mentioning as well, provided, funded by England Athletics um, for its affiliated um, clubs uh, and organisations, is this free legal helpline provided by our partners, uh, Muckle LLP. Many clubs out there who may have or feel they have, there are legal implications to some of the things they're doing and they have queries around it or they want further information as to some of the implications of the coronavirus situation and how they might impact on them. There is guidance and advice uh, and some signposting to, to sort of key governmental websites um, available on the England Athletics website. But the clubs can also access um, a free legal helpline, which is a phone number 0845 050 8458. Or there's a, the email is at The helpline, they can have a maximum call there for 30 minutes, uh, completely free, funded by England Athletics, so that they can discuss their, their query and get some, some initial advice. And Muckle is spelled M-U-C-K-L-E. Well, cheers to everyone, whether it be in, in Cambridgeshire, Buckinghamshire, Herefordshire or London. Just offering advice and, and reiterating some of the resources that are available and will be made available. We will continue to keep you abreast of the situation. Just to finish off, I've spent some of this past week clearing out some old athletic start lists and results from 2015 that were absolutely pointless keeping hold of. I don't know what anyone else has used some of their time to do, whether it be a, a bit of DIY or otherwise. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent the whole weekend tidying up the garden so the kids could be out in the fresh air, but also because I need it so I can film activities for the back garden. <laughs> so I, I've got a power washer to clean the garden even further now, so hopefully you'll see a very pristine-looking garden on the camera. <laughs> it's, it's a similar situation over here in Herefordshire. We, um, I think the, the, the background humming of lawnmowers and streamers uh, gave an indication as to what a lot of people are doing, so they're obviously uh, clearing their gardens, ready to uh, install their running tracks and uh, to stay active at home, clearly. Uh, we, we've managed to turn a, 
a jungle section of our garden into something remotely close to being an area that we can certainly do a bit of outdoor activity now that the sun's out. So looking forward to that. Always think of positives. That's why the podcast isn't isn't visual. Otherwise, everyone will be judging us on the status of our back gardens. <laughs> <laughs> no, they can, but that's the problem for me because I've got a film on my back garden. <laughs> but it's AstroTurf. That's the best part about it. There we go. Well, do keep an eye out for the latest updates to our website, all of the resources available, the Athletics 365 app and the Athletics Hub coaching resource library lots of things that will hopefully help you adapt and uh, do get in touch if you need to keep an eye on social media channels through which you can get in contact as well as has been said you're not alone and we'll come through this as a track field and running community together thanks for listening to the podcast and goodbye